all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Everybody, uh, welcome to Cars and Comrades. Uh, it's me and Zach here, me being Brandon in this case, uh, doing a bonus episode for you guys. Uh, and I guess it's probably arguably more for me than for the audience because I-, I needed to brainstorm a drivetrain solution for the drag van that I'm working on. Uh, so I got Zach, who's I guess the only other person on the podcast who's like well acquainted with American V8s, man. Wow, rare company. Yeah, yeah. I, I, nothing makes me feel like more of a reactionary boomer than like you guys all having like your like whatever Nissans and Audis and whatever. And I'm like, no, no, like a body GM muscle car. Fuck it. It feels like a little part of my past that I have to hide sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I'm into cars now. I like, uh, you know, JDM and stuff. And I, I used to be into American Muscle, but we don't talk about that. I mean, I also started putting together my Harley Chopper yesterday. Like, oh so, man, you got the yeah. trifecta. I don't know what the third thing is, but <laughs> that's the- I mean, I have like six American vans that are forty to fifty years old. So, yeah, actually, six is conservative. We if we count the parts vehicles. I think we figured out that I have uh, eight early vans and then one third gen van. Wow, only nine? That's that's not so bad. I thought it was well, at least double digits. Oh, plus my blazer and my car. Okay. So 11, <laughs> 11 vehicles total, but only nine of them are vans, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I honestly and truly don't know how many motorcycles I own. I mean, when they're all disassembled, is it... Like, can you get an accurate count? Because if you no. don't, like... No, that's why motors and seven frames and like how are you counting this you know yeah um if you go by titles i'm still not actually sure but i think i've got like five titles wow yeah no i i have enough parts i think to put together an entire like or like 85 percent of another harley you basically got like a fleet of harleys or bikes, at least, at your disposal. You could equip an entire bike gang if you really wanted to. I don't think my buddy was trying to compliment me when he said this to me, but a, a real good friend of mine once said, I always wondered how people started junkyards until I met you. <laughs> you know, you just you start small and you stay at it. You stay dedicated. That's how you do it. Baby steps. Dude, okay, so with early vans, it's a, like a really specific thing where like it's not popular to the point where like any other like muscle cars or anything like that are. You can't find parts for them. You can find people that have parts vehicles. So anytime I find one for a reasonable price, I buy it. Yeah, I think you're and well because, on your way. Yeah, because of my idea of a reasonable price is so low, I just keep buying junk ones that have all the same problems. <laughs> 
when they all have the same problems, I don't think you're really coming out ahead getting another one. You're like, yeah, I'll use the doors off this one and the frame off that one. Ah, oh, shit. They well, when I bought doors. six, when I bought six of them out of a junkyard, it paid for itself in a month and a half. Um, because it in is so like a lot of my attitude towards old vehicles like that is is still fairly. I don't know if progressive is the right fucking word, but like. I like seeing old things stay alive. If you if you keep something 50 years old on the road and you can find ways to make it more efficient and improve it, then you keep from having to buy a new thing and like delve deeper into like materialism and like I don't know. and also we're car guys. Like it's what we enjoy doing. So it's 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 a, I feel like it's it's a good like double-edged sword in a good way where both blades are good where I get to do a thing I enjoy and it keeps me from having to like engage more in consumer culture like and i don't like have i have shit credit dude there is not a bank on earth that'll give me a car loan yeah i think yeah. that's a great way to rationalize your car addiction and Call I, me will, out right <laughs> I will be using it from now on Every time I buy a shit car, somebody's like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Like, I'm doing it for the planet, okay? So, fuck off. Well, I mean, like, seriously, I'm uh, I'm picking up an overdrive transmission and drive shaft um, this, uh, this weekend, this Sunday, uh, that should bump my fuel economy up, which, not that this is, like, an amazing amount, but my van gets 12 miles to the gallon, and I daily drive it. So, I... I think mathematically, I, this should get me up closer to 16, which, again, not great, but, like, that's a significant improvement percentage-wise. Yeah, 33% improvement for, you know, not a lot of money and, you know, relatively minimal effort. Hey, man, I'd take that. My buddy totaled, totaled a van, so he's just giving me the transmission and drive shaft out of it, so, like, it's free for me. I was actually... No money. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a seven hundred four or a seven hundred R four. I already have a couple of junk seven hundred R fours in my shop, but this saves me the trouble of having to rebuild them. Because man, I've been watching videos on rebuilding transmissions, and that shit is terrifying. Yeah, no, I will strip a motor to a bare block before I will crack open a transmission case. Oh, the real. I'm about to try and rebuild a transmission for my car. Because it's the only overdrive that I can find that will will work with my older car without like having to like upgrade electronics and stuff like that. It's a two hundred four R. There is no manual to be found for those. Oh god! I'm just watching YouTube videos and praying to the fucking whatever God gives a shit about Chevys <laughs> or, or GM or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's um. Good fucking luck, man. <laughs> I wish you the best. I don't have much for you on that. Well, if I rebuild it and it fails, I'm just buying a new one from like the guru of that sort of transmission and like whatever, dude. I'm 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 trying to build a big block that won't make a lot of horse. Well, this is for the car. We haven't even gotten to the race car yet. Um, <laughs> the race van. No, my car. Like once I get the engine to where I want it to be, it might might crack 400 horsepower. But it's going to be like 650 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, get that tractor build. Yeah. 
Well, for Oldsmobile 455 motors, they were popular drag engines back in the day because they launched so hard. But they have a whole bunch of restrictions that you have to overcome if you want to make horsepower. Like, they don't like to rev past 5,500 RPMs. That's insane. And, that is so, so low. Um, yeah. I mean, not compared to, like, modern, smaller engines, I guess, you know. Well, they have big blocks are not revving past, like, what, 6,500, maybe hitting 7,000. Well, so this uh, Oldsmobile specifically repeatedly made engines with the problem where all the oil builds up in the valve covers. Mm. Um, so you, you, you can, when you start getting up to higher revs, you start oil starving the crank. Like, without modifying the heads and block, an actual performance thing that Oldsmobile guys would do to those motors was put in a low-flow oil pump so that you could rev higher and still keep some oil in the pan. Wow. Yeah. People have like found ways to overcome these problems, but I'm not stripping my motor down to a bare block and sending it to the machine shop. It, unless I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the heads off tomorrow. And if, if I like what I see, then um, I'm just going to like do all new gaskets, um, new, new, new valve train, put it back together. And I've, I've thought about trying my hand at porting the exhaust valves because on the specific set of heads that I have, that's the weak point. But, for what I'm doing, it doesn't really actually matter that much. But, oh, the other thing about the old 455 is it's a fairly small bore, but a long stroke. It's a four and a quarter stroke, which is why another reason it doesn't like to rev high. But that means that, like, I've 100% read about 455 builds that were getting 16 to 18 miles to a gallon without overdrive. Wow. So I'm putting an overdrive transmission behind that. If I can find a good rear end, I could get my 600 pound feet of per or 600 pound feet engine mu like muscle car up to the 25 mile per gallon range, and still spin the tires anytime I want to. That is ridiculous to me because I've been trying my best to stay out of the throttle in my car for the past week uh, because fuel is insanely expensive right now and I am broke um, and I am really happy that I'm getting mid 24s out of it out of a 2011 four cylinder so well, bear in mind 25 would be really optimistic uh, probably attainable but uh, it, it, it'll depend on your cam selection oh yeah yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of, 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 of weird engine math. Like, stroker engines have a tendency towards being more fuel efficient because you can put the, like, peak torque rating lower in the RPM range, and that is, is what tends to make good fuel economy, at least in motors like this. Um, because your engine is making so much power that it never really needs to work that hard. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to explain without over explaining it but i'm gonna Science transition now. yeah like the reason it works is because math <laughs> and because i'm not trying to be a math magician here we're gonna move along to the topic of the day which is uh the engine for my drag van uh as has been discussed on the show i am building a 1965 chevy van to race pro street it'll honestly like i want to take it out on the street probably more than, i want to be able to take it to the track and really like 
cook, but like mostly I want to be able to take it to work and load up all of my friends in the back of it and do burnouts and just, you know, do hood rat shit with my friends. Um, so I've, I've, I've got a couple of ideas on how, on like what sort of drivetrain I want. And, and it's, it's basically like on an, like an X, Y sort of axis. It's, it's on one axis, it's engine displacement. And on the other axis, it's like, uh, Naturally aspirated, nitrous, supercharger, or nitrous and supercharger. And up until literally this past weekend, my plan was an enormous displacement motor, supercharged. Like, and I'm talking about like a 632, 632 cubic inch big block with an 871 supercharger on it. I would not even have to buy good heads or work. And that's minimum probably eight or nine hundred horsepower. Over the weekend, I encountered a gentleman who had a nearly identical build to what I'm working on. Um, and I mean, like, it's an Econoline pickup truck, those like weird, like flat front pickup trucks that were like the vans, but it's, yeah, th this dude had a pro street one. He had the exact same rear end in it. The engine relocation, everything. It actually, it made me feel like a poser because I'm like, all right, I'm literally just doing your shit over again. But I got talking to him and he, he had a 460 Ford in it, which even non-race applications, 460s, everyone I know gets like six miles to a gallon. like, And that's not like six miles to a gallon exaggerated for effect. That is literally, I know people that get six miles to a gallon from their factory 460. Um, yeah, those motors are notoriously just fuel hogs. I mean, when they put them in pickups, they put two fuel tanks in the pickup because <laughs> they just burn fuel. I knew a guy when I was in high school. He was a little older than me, and he had a, I can't remember if it was a 250. Wait, it might have been a 150 with a 460. That would be weird, though. But, yeah, it had two, two fuel tanks, and I knew this because it had two fuel caps on the side. And I was like, why do you have two two gas caps? And he's like, oh, there's two tanks. Why do you have two tanks? It's like, because I can't get out of town on one tank of gas. <laughs> it really won't get me out of my town. Well, now, now, big black Chevys aren't necessarily known to get way better fuel economy, but like a little bit. I think they usually can get like eight or nine, like without overdrive. Which again, not great, but whatever. It's this not gentleman, six, so. Well, the gentleman that I talked to that had the supercharged 460, and, like, mind you, it was a worked-over 460. This was not factory, but the, I'm talking to the guy. I'm telling him what I'm building, and he says, well, let me ask you, what, like, what do you want to do with this van? I'm like, dude, I want to drive the fucking shit out of it. Like, I, I just want to have fun. I want to take it to the track. I want to drive it to work. I want to fuck around. I want to find out. Uh, and he says, okay, well, let me, let me ask you this, uh, or not let me ask you this, but whatever he said, he's like, I get two and a half miles to a gallon and I have a 16 gallon fuel cell. And so I'm like, well, I real, real quick math tells me this dude gets 40, a 40 mile range on a full tank. Yeah, that's not great. 
yeah, I can't do like that. At that point, it's not even like, can you afford gas? It's can you make it to the next gas station? Yeah, you'd have to stop at uh, just about every other one, depending on where you are. You're like, oh, I skipped that one. Uh, we're going to be coming close. If for some godforsaken reason I drove my van like out west to the desert, there's a hundred percent places where you can go forty miles without seeing a gas station. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I mean, it's you don't even have to be that far out of like a metro area where that's the case. Like there, there are like group like like motorcycle rides, like chopper things out west where. So many of those guys run two and three gallon fuel tanks and run like old bikes that they have to carry a gas can to get the, through the whole ride. Like, uh, I think it's like the Diablo run or something. It's like a hundred miles that there isn't a gas station. And even if your bikes like old Harleys, you can get like 25 miles to a gallon out of them, which, you know, is not great considering it's a motorcycle, but it's, you know, whatever. I'm sure they're, they're, there's better ones too. I don't know. Um, but yeah, those guys have to carry gas cans. So I'm now trying to fit, like figure out what the fuck I'm doing engine wise. Cause, uh, now I'm starting to wonder if my horsepower goal is even attainable in any sort of efficient way. I'm thinking I'll build a 20 gallon fuel cell which means I would like to see four to five miles to a gallon. Now, as leftists, we should probably shoot for a lot better than four to five miles to a gallon. I respect that. Anybody listening to this is perfectly valid in thinking to themselves, like, this dude's kind of a shitty environmentalist. Listen, I'm not commuting this thing on a daily basis. I'm not taking it on cross-country trips. I'm trying to drive it a quarter of a mile as fast as I can. And, you know, take it out for a spin when I feel like it. I, I understand that I'm doing something ridiculous. It's a toy. Uh, I feel bad about it. That's why I'm def being defensive without even being provoked. But, like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Leave me alone. I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to bring it up. But you brought it no, up. So you defended yeah. yourself against yourself very well. I recognize how frivolous this is. I Give me one thing. This is the only thing. <laughs> This thing is ultimately going to probably have more money in, than I paid for for my house because I live very cheaply. I want one nice thing. I don't think you should feel ashamed for trying to find joy in anything in this fucking hellscape that we live in. So no, no judgment for me. Well, I also have mental health issues and will feel guilt no matter what. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not so much about the miles per gallon that you're that you're getting fuel economy wise. It's more about the the smile. dopamine per mile. Oh. I was gonna, <laughs> I wasn't gonna use miles per gallon, but yeah, same idea. So uh, yeah, originally my 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 plan was to build. A, a supercharged 632 with a nitrous plate. And then, and then I, I sat down and was like, okay, okay, conservatively, I would be making like 12 or 1400 horsepower. And even though that sounds like a whole lot of fun, um, I'm going to destroy transmissions and rear ends and 
I'm going to be going so fast that I will have to build a full cage for the thing. Like, I don't even know how many points. Because, like, 12 to 1400 horsepower, like, that's that's high eights, I think. Mathematically, that, sh that should put you in the high eights, if not faster. Minimum yes. low. Assuming you have, you know, good tires and you hook up and your transmission is... You know, if you had like a two-speed power glide or something like that, yeah, I would be shocked if it wasn't in the eights with that kind of horsepower. I'm, I picked a power glide because the vehicle should weigh about 3,200 pounds finished, and we're going to be making so much torque. I felt good about not needing a super short first gear to take off with, and power glides have the lowest uh, parasitic loss for horsepower. Um, and they're just stout. It, they're a really cheap transmission to build strong. Um, so I picked a power glide, and I've got a Ford 9-inch in the rear, which draws a little bit more horsepower than a 12-bolt. But again, uh, they're a little bit cheaper to build. And this is, and it, like, even though we're talking about insane engine combinations, uh, I do actually already have an, a complete drivetrain for this van, but I want to upgrade. Um once once it's done and we have proof of concept, then I'll start being more serious about putting a better engine and transmission in it. Uh, our, our our rear end is probably indestructible until we like pass a thousand horsepower by a good bit. It's it's a, a nine inch. It's been gusseted. It's reinforced. Like yeah, it's it's stout. Um, and one of the the biggest selling points of the four nine inch is just how easy it is to swap a diff in that thing. You can do it in the vehicle. So, you know, if you are going to street drive this thing, you could always pull a locked diff out and put an open or a limited slip in there or whatever you're running. It's, you know, less than an hour job. And then you swap the rear end or, you know, God forbid you blow up a rear end. doesn't really matter. You can pull it and swap it so easily. Yeah, like in, in regards to uh, fuel efficiency, I've, I've genuinely considered the possibility of just having a diff that I like would put in to go to the track. Versus, you know, because right now the gearing and it's uh, it's a four thirty spool, mm -hmm. um, so it should hook up really fucking. Uh, right now we have sixteen inch tires on it, but we have enough room to probably do eighteens, and so I'm probably going to go bigger. Um, it, it should not have any problem hooking up. So again, yeah, like you know, if if I built that motor. Just, just the a, a well built six thirty two with a supercharger, a thousand horsepower, easy. So you know, if you start talking like a two hundred shot of nitrous, yeah, it's more than I need. I, you know, my eyes are bigger than my stomach when I wanted to build that. So yeah. I started thinking about different things, and and kind of right where I'm at right now. Partially because I, I think I'm just going to buy a blueprint motor. Um, I'm not going to be a commercial for them, but their shit's really affordable and comes with warranties. Um, I mean, that's really hard to beat, you know. Not, the fact that it's warrantied, that, that's hard to beat in and of itself. But if you can get a decent deal on it, not, you know, a life savings amount of money for an engine... You know, that's, that's really hard to, to find anything better. 
the engine might be the first thing in my life that I finance. I've, I've, I've got to like work up the nerve to talk to my mom and be like, listen, I haven't asked you for anything in 20 years. Can you co-sign on an engine? <laughs> I, I really hope that goes well if you end up doing that. My mom hates nothing more than helping me, so I don't think that this is going to float. But regard, like, regardless, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But like, from Blueprint has two different ways that you can buy any of their engines, uh, naturally aspirated or built, or like a long block built for uh, forced induction or power power adders, you know, I guess nitrous or whatever. Their NA632 is, I think, round about 800 horsepower. And I think it's $14,000 with a 50,000 mile three-year warranty. Might be a two-year warranty. I don't remember exactly. Actually, I think it is a two-year warranty. But that's Man, fucking that's, a deal. Yeah, that is quite the deal. If I had something to drop that into, that is exactly what I would go with. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, well, mate, should I just... Is 632 too much? Because, I mean, like, the obvious answer is yes. That's just not the point. But I'm like, should I call Blueprint and say, like, hey, if if I have uh, no overdrive in this gearing, like, what fuel economy do you think that I could get? I think you should call them and ask them that just to see what they say. Like, I'm sure they don't get a lot of fuel economy questions on their engine builds. They're like, uh, did you mean to say horsepower or foot pounds of torque? What are, you, what are you asking me? Fuel economy. I don't understand. I would agree with you, but if you're building a pro street vehicle, it... It, it wasn't obvious to me until this past week, but yeah, that's an issue. When, when you run the risk of having like a 40 or 50 mile range on your fuel tank, yeah. So I, I think that I could probably call them up and be like, listen, I'm worried about not being able to drive 50 miles on a tank of gas. Like ju just for the purposes of being able to get to another gas station, uh, what kind of fuel economy? Um, yeah. And the thing is, 632s are stroked to hell. Like, it's a really long stroke on that motor. Strokers do have a tendency to be more efficient. Um, and there's all sorts of other wild factors. Like, if you have a really loose torque converter, you get bad fuel economy. Because it just doesn't fully hook up until, like, three or four grand or whatever. So, kind of what I'm thinking right now is, if not a 632, something a little bit milder, like a 570 or... 540, I think, are the two smaller options. And doing like a 200 shot of nitrous in it. <clears throat> Budget-wise, they charge enough extra at Blueprint for building the motor to handle power adders that it might actually be cheaper to, to just run a, a, a completely naturally aspirated 632 than like a 540 or 570... Uh, with nitrous, because uh, like they beef up all, all the bottom end, the gap, the rings, all that business to handle the extra, the boost or nitrous or whatever. And yeah, I'm, I'm, there are so many variables in this equation, and I thought I had it on lock until somebody threw in this wild thing about a 40 mile range on their gas tank. And I'm, I'm like, well, I'm fucked. I don't know. I think I have a solution. I think the the best option for you 
is to do a 632. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Just, it's a van. The entire back of it is just a big box. Just box that in. I'm trying to have room back there to party, dude. <laughs> make it removable. I don't know. You're you're a fabricator. Make it work. You, you yeah. can do it. Yeah. <laughs> See? See? You can make the whole back half removable, so then it's like that Econoline pickup. So it goes from, like, the big fuel cell van style into the Econoline pickup style without the huge fuel cell in the back. Uh, I actually am going to make most of the rear floor removable so that we can get to the suspension and diff without having to, like, lift up the van. You're halfway there already. Well, we've already got it all cut out, and I'm like, well, we could weld sheet metal back in, or we could just put, like, Zerk, or, uh, like, what is it, the Zeus fittings or whatever they're called? Yeah, Zeus clips, just, like, the quarter yeah. turn metal clips. Yeah, yep. just have them, like, pop right out. So if I do want to change my, my diff or... Like a lot of that's because when you run four link, there's a lot of adjustability. And so you're constantly underneath like, you know, uh, lengthening or shortening the linkages or like remounting them in different locations so that you can like optimize your launch. Um, so I just decided, like decided to do that. And also my entire doghouse is going to be removable. That's uh that's the engine cover in a van. Like in mid-engine vans, since the engine is entirely inside the vehicle with you, there is a thing that's effectively a fucking doghouse. Like, it's that shape, and it just goes over the motor. Since we're relocating the motor, again, we're just going to move it back, patch everything in front of it up, do everything, and then just have it, like, located with, you know, uh, wing nuts or, or, or Zeus fittings or something like that. So the engine will be re located directly in front of the bay doors, so if I ever need to pull it, we'll just pull the doghouse, open the bay doors, and go in with the cherry picker and pull the engine out. Nice. Yeah, that's um, that seems like the the best way to do it. You're also shortening the drivetrain there, which is the guy I met over the weekend was running a six inch drive shaft. That's incredible. That's like, yeah. was that the actual shaft length, or did that include uh, includes the, oh, the, the fitting? So. I, I'm completely losing the word for them now. The wiggly bits. <laughs> the U-joints. <laughs> U-joints, thank you. <laughs> I could not think of that for the life of me. So the, the shaft uh, must have been like... technical term is wiggly bits, but we just yeah. refer to them as U-joints, yeah. Yeah, um, for the layman, U-joints. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah the, like, the, the drive shaft itself, not counting like the ends was under two inches. That's a really weird image in my brain. I'm not going to like throw it up online because I took pictures of this thing as somebody else's like whatever, but I'll send, I took pictures. I'll send it to you because he didn't have a truck in it. Obviously it's, it was a full cage. Um, but yeah, it is, it is wild. It's, it's pretty insane. Um, it was actually amazing because after talking to the dude, I realized that he was $40,000 into this project, which, I mean, that's, it's nothing. He's been building it and rebuilding it for 20 or 30 years. It was originally a monster truck. And then he decided to take it off of that chassis and build it pro street. So like, it, and he, he didn't even seem like a guy who was just throwing money at stuff. This is just his one thing, his toy. He loves it. And, um, I don't know, like, not that it's nothing, but 
if you spend forty or fifty thousand dollars on something over the course of thirty years, that's as far as hobbies go, expensive but doable. Um, yeah, that's honestly not that crazy. If it was twenty years and forty grand, you know, what is that per year? $2,000? Yeah. Yeah, that actually is super attainable. It's but really, the, I'd spend more on than that on dumb shit now that I shouldn't, so... Yeah. You know, he seems to be doing better with his money than I am. Well, he said he, like, he said he put the number 40000 because a lot of the engine work and paint work was done in the 90s when it was a lot more affordable, and back when it was a monster truck, he said the reason he actually took it off the monster truck chassis was that somebody offered him money for it so that he broke even on it after having driven it for five seasons. Wow. Yeah. So he almost, in that's as close in the car world as you get to making money, is breaking even. <laughs> yeah. If you can break even on a car, that's like, hey, man, you made it. Yeah, all the dudes on Craigslist trying to break even are just high as fuck thinking they're going to get, like, $30,000 for their, like, still needs to be assembled fucking Mopar or whatever. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, oh, but what I, the point I was getting at was uh, all of the fabrication work that he had done was professionally done. So it's obviously different than mine because we're welding a lot of angles instead of, like, bending because I don't have a tubing bender that can do, like, inch and a half by three inch rectangular tubing, stuff like that. But the, the, the structure of his chassis was identical to what I'm building. It was a hundred percent like affirming of everything I'm doing is not only like doable and, and good, but like that the backyard redneck engineering that me and my buddy have done was spot on. Like we actually well engineered something and yeah, like he, I couldn't tell if he thought I was lying or if he was like low key mad at me. Cause I was, I, He's telling me about everything, and I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to have my van in the 11s for five grand. And he's like, well, good luck with that. And I'm like, $2,500 into it. We have a 500 horsepower big block, and the money that still needs to be spent is on cooling system, brakes, and wiring. Oh, I need a cam. Cams for a Gen 6 big block are several hundred dollars. So still, nothing that I just listed was so expensive, like... The brakes will be the most expensive part left, and that's still pretty doable. Um, yeah, if I put forty grand into a build and then someone was like, "Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing for like five, I'd, I'd be a little upset. I think. Yeah, that's fair. No, but he he has a full tube chassis. Like his is built well enough that he could probably, by NHRA rules, run in the like six or seven second range. Wow. I did. I somehow was so excited about the fabrication work, I didn't even think to ask him what it actually does run in the quarter. <laughs> but, I don't know, he was also just a, a friendly guy, and, and I was bullshitting with him for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. What, what's your feedback? Like, what... Yeah, just... What, what do you have to say? Man, it's... Uh, like you said, there's so many variables to, to it. And... Um... I think genuinely the best option would be to talk to Blueprint just to get a ballpark of like, hey, this is my drivetrain, this is my gearing, these few motors, what am I looking at fuel economy-wise? And even if you don't go with one of their motors, you at least have a general idea if you end up building something similar 
or sourcing a, a motor from somewhere else of what to expect. And then from there, it's, it's really just napkin math. I think like if you, if you need this much horsepower to make it down the quarter in this much time, you know, how are you going to get that horsepower? Is it displacement? Is it power adder? And frankly, adding the budget into it is a whole nother thing that you have to consider. Not, it's, to, it's sound, like, not to sound like a lunatic, I'm not thinking about money. Uh, not to say that's not a factor, but I'm trying to get to the con- whatever conclusion I'm getting to and then figure out what's the most affordable way to do that. Um, yeah, that's, that's fair. I think the more you can eliminate variables and uh, narrow it down to, you know, a more concrete goal and then start adding things on top of that, the better you are. Because with everything up in the air, it's so hard to pin down, you know? Oh, okay. Just, just, just uh, as uh, an example, let's, let's see. Um, yeah, the the Blueprint six thirty two, um, not full dress, but like complete block, like everything except like the accessories, you know, mm-hmm. which I don't even want because they run uh, serpentine gears on their like full dress stuff. And I don't think that would fit in my doghouse. Like I don't run power steering. I don't run air conditioning. I literally need something that can run a water pump, which will be electric anyway. And, uh, an alternator, you know? So those things aren't really a factor. $16,200. That is 815 horsepower, 775 pound feet of torque. And what's your uh, what's your quarter mile time goal here, or are, you, or are you just looking at like horsepower goal? You know, I was originally just doing horsepower, partially because I wanted to like meet any Dodge uh, like Hellcat owner and like just embarrass him with my shitty old van. Um, <laughs> a noble goal, a very noble goal indeed. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever, like. Mopar, I like a lot of Mopar stuff, but God, they're the worst fanboy like guys. Every every Mopar person you meet is just well, not every ninety nine out of a hundred just suck shit. Yeah, it's the age old problem. There's a cool thing, but the the fan base is awful. Yeah, I uh, I've long talked about get it, like I really want a white Challenger a la Vanishing Point. Mm hmm. Uh, but if I get one, I'm, I'm either going to put a big block Chevy or an LS in it because, uh, one, I like practicality in my impracticality. And two, it would just make every car show guy just furious. <laughs> Although I think the real move would be like somebody be like, oh, what's in your Challenger? And I put like a Stroker small block Chevy in it so I can be like, oh, it's a 383. And they're like, oh, sick. And then I'll open the hood and it's not a 383 big block Mopar. It's a small block Chevy. And just like, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to kill Mopar guys with a stroke or something. Like any, <laughs> any younger people who are unfamiliar and listening to this, like uh, Mopar guys are just, uh, yeah, they're, they're 
they're a rare breed, like genuinely among car guys. Like they are the they're the biggest purists out there, I think. For like yeah. classic cars, yeah. A- any deviation from the norm is just unacceptable to them. They're up there with Corvette guys. Yeah, a similar percentage of boomers in that uh, crowd as well. As what, it, like well over, yeah, well over ninety percent. Uh, yeah, I knew one Mopar guy personally in my life, and he had a, a Plymouth Fury Three, um, and it was a sweet car. Um, he let me look at it one time. I was like, "Can I ride in it?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, oh, "Cool, thanks, man." <laughs> I mean, like, I, I have to make caveats because my best friend has somehow slowly over the years become a Mopar guy. He's got a '73 Cuda and a '69. Uh, charger right now um and he's let me drive both of them um wow. yeah the the chart uh the 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 chow uh not cha- did i say challenger before he's got a cuda um the cuda has like a high stall torque converter so it's kind of weird to drive if you're not used to it because it doesn't want to launch hard unless you know how and at the time i definitely didn't the uh the charger has a 440 and that thing just goes. It's effortless. And he's he's got a 440 that he's gotten up to like 9 or 10 miles to a gallon out of. Um, wow, there's your solution right there. Your Chevy van needs a... No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what, what, I'm com- what I'm commenting on is that the notoriously fuel-inefficient 440 has been modified by my friend. to. I think it runs lean, but it doesn't like sound like... It. It's not lean popping or anything. He's just like... Yeah, I just kept putting smaller jets in the carburetor until it got angry, and then I went back up one size. I'm like, all right, bud. But it doesn't overheat or run badly or anything. It just goes exactly when you want it to. So, what? I, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm Okay, what do you know about nitrous? Uh, enough to be dangerous. All right, well, I, you know, let's, let's, let's be dangerous then. One of my ideas is I'm like, okay, if, if I get like a – a big displacement, uh, like like a 632, 598, 570, something like that. And, and it, like it runs on nitrous. It would run, or, uh, if it was set up for nitrous, when I'm not giving it juice, it'll just run like a normal motor of that like build, correct? Yeah, absolutely. If you don't uh, arm the bottle, it's not going to come on. And then obviously you arm the bottle, you have to fog it. And then, you know, whatever your activation is, uh, some of them are just full throttle activation or some of them have like the Fast and Furious style buttons. Um, But yeah, it won't go unless you make it go. And it's kind of a big process to make it go. So that's kind of what I'm getting at, though, is if my one thought is just do ridiculous displacement motor like the 632, which I feel like I could probably reasonably get six or seven miles to a gallon out of if it's just built normal. But then I set it up for nitrous so that when I want the extra like ridiculous like two or 300 shot, here I have an 800 horsepower motor with a 300 shot on it. Then I'm sure I'm getting absolute dog shit fuel economy, but that is only when I need it to be that way. Well, you might not be getting horrible fuel efficiency, I should say. 
because of the way that nitrous works by adding, you know, just pure oxygen basically into the combustion chamber, you're going to be using more fuel, but it's only because you're able to burn that fuel with the more oxygen. Yes, but so, burning more fuel is the core of the problem. <laughs> yeah, but it, it won't like, I don't know how to, but I, I think we're really making the same point, point here. Whereas a supercharger has parasitic loss, you know, as soon as you start moving. And is same with a turbo. Yeah. Yeah. Same with a turbo, you know, you're going to get parasitic loss from forced induction. Nitrous is only when you want the nitrous to be in there. And then, yeah, you're going to burn more fuel. But I actually don't know how that translates to miles per gallon, but I'm assuming that under the use of nitrous, you're only going to be going a quarter of a mile. So it's never relevant at that point. Yeah. And that's exactly my point where like I could, you know, if I'm getting 200 miles out of a tank of fuel, like maybe 20 gallon tank, five miles to a gallon, um, I can be good with what, what? I don't think that math checks out. Oh, that's a hundred miles. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wait a second. Anyway, you're saying, sorry. Five yeah. miles of a gallon, 20. Yeah, 100 gallons. miles. I can be yeah. okay enough with that. Um, and then if, you know, for a quarter of a mile, I drop that down into the two to three gallons, <laughs> uh, miles per gallon range, then or, or actually at that point, you might be talking about like gallons to a mile. Yeah. Um, yeah. My biggest problem with that is I just don't think nitrous is cool. That's a big <laughs> That's a big butt right there. Like, I don't think much is cooler than a big ass roots blower hanging out of the top of the engine, but like yeah, I, I mean, mean if it means a dog box, you can't see it. It's not like you could put a blower through a hood, you know? It, the blower like I'm gonna have to build a huge dog box or hang the blower out of the top of it. It's I've only seen one supercharged early van ever, and they just ran the doghouse without a lid. Yeah. Um, which I is mean, not an ideal solution, but whatever. Uh, uh, not to work in the wrong direction, but if you did do that, you could put a big Lexan sheet in the middle of the uh, bay door so you could see the blower through the side of the van. Dude, even if I... We're, we're deviating from engine talk, but I honestly think that this is going to be an incredibly fucking cool build when I'm done with it. Um, I'm either going to take a doghouse and cut out panels and put in Lexan, like, windows, or have an entire Lexan doghouse, like, vacuum formed. Uh, because I want the motor to be white, which everyone's told me how awful that's going to be, and I recognize that. I don't care. I just want a doghouse full of white and chrome probably some accent colors to match the red and yellow build of the van because it's a hundred percent communist themed it is the red scare i'm making hammer and sickle bubble windows for it like reactionaries can suck my dick fuck you uh, I, I, keep, I keep joking about this to the point where i think i might be serious i think i'm just gonna order a case of the communist manifesto and hand it out at drag events you absolutely should and uh, if you ever run a shoot on it, it's either just got to be a huge hammer, hammer and sickle, or just Marx's face comes out of it, 
or you know, get get one of those like the two smaller shoots and, and do Marks and Ingles, or you know, somebody that that would just be oh, would be spectacular. Or I can stay really on brand because I'm pretty sure if anyone consistently listens to our podcast, I probably come across as an authoritarian leftist. <laughs> I'll just do a big fucking parachute with Stalin on it. <laughs> uh, oh man. Losers get the gulag. <laughs> That's got to be on the bumper. Like, <laughs> in cursive script. Just on the rear. That way when you're when you're gapping people at the track, it says losers get the gulag. <laughs> uh, I, like, I really look forward to the moment when people realize it's not a joke. And they're like, wait, you're a... I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm a fucking communist. Fuck you. <laughs> you just got owned by a communist. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that seize the means of horsepower production. Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe, like, would, you think, like, a smaller displacement, and I mean, like, legitimately, like, smaller, like, 498, that's literally the smallest big block that Blueprint makes, supercharged, I wonder, like, if if that could reach my, like, horsepower, or at least time goals, be cool, be affordable, and still, like, not put me into the two mile a gallon, or yeah, uh, two miles to the gallon range. Yeah, that's that's a big if. I I don't know. I think you'd have to push a lot of boost through a motor that small to get you know the horsepower or the time numbers that you're looking for, and you probably have to put a pretty high stall converter on it just to build those to launch hard enough because the smaller displacement's not going to have as much torque off the line. That's true. And a looser torque converter means worse fuel mileage. Yeah. And worse street drive. It's yeah. You know, every time you move one slider in one direction, the other one is moving the way you don't want it to. Part of the reason I went big, I, I want to go big block. Well, I guess I have gone big block. I already have one for it, but um, I wanted something very streetable and a lot, like, I've never driven any, like, insane, like, single or dual turbo LS builds, but I can only imagine that those dudes have to be running crazy converters to build up the amount of boost that they need to be making those numbers, and a big block has so much low-end torque, like, if you look at it, like, as, as a calculus, like, there is so much area under the graph, like it's it's not a buildup. Big blocks are just making a fuck ton of torque at like idle. Um, I saw a dyno sheet for a 455 olds build that like when I was like doing research on building mine. Um, the dyno that tested it only went up to 600 pound feet of torque, and the curve was going down when it hit 600 at like 3500 RPMs. Jesus. That they were estimating that it was probably making about 650 pound feet of torque under 3,000. Yeah, that's absurd. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted a big block because you really have don't have to work at all to launch just super fucking hard. Then you just need something that can rev high enough to really get you where you want to go. Yeah. And when I say you're not making as much torque off the line from a 492 that's not to say it's not making a lot 
but relative to a 632, it's much less. Yeah, I think realistically a 498 with a with an 871 on it, um, assuming it's built well, good heads, big cam, all that business. Realistically, I, I think that you could expect seven or eight hundred horsepower commensurate amount of like pound feet per uh, uh, of torque, which fucking respectable. But also, I mean, like, that'll get the job done. That, that'll smoke tires for sure. Oh yeah. So yeah, I don't know. You haven't really helped me at all. I know, I haven't. <laughs> I've been up zero help. I'm really glad that I could be here to tell you that uh, it's a pipe dream and uh, you should give it up. It's never going to work. And uh, Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> to say that it's starting to look like uh, my the only solution is to, to sacrifice something. And it's probably going to be, first and foremost, my horsepower number. Dude, there, no, there's there's got to be something because I know a Dodge Demon isn't exactly getting good fuel economy, but it's making 800 fucking horsepower and it's streetable. Like, it's still got to be in the double digits. Is that it's also it's also using, you know, a modern, I, I think like a dual clutch transmission or some sort of modern, you know, flappy paddle kind of thing. As far as I know, modern fuel injection just a lot of modern stuff that you're not getting on a carbureted big block with a power glide. <laughs> I, here's my other suggestion. So you have to fog a nitro system, right? I say you paint a big ass mural of, you know, take your pick, whoever you want. Joe Biden. Stalin, Mal, Biden. <laughs> <laughs> One of the big three <laughs> on the side and route the fogger out the mural's nose. I think I think you retain the cool factor at that point, and then you can run nitrous, and like we were talking about, you don't have to run it all the time. Might might be able to get your fuel economy and keep the cool factor. Yeah, I think that like realistically, I could build a smaller displacement big block, like something like a five forty or not that five seventy small, but it's not full-blown, or even even a 498, if it's got a stout bottom end, you can put like a three or 400 shot of nitrous through it, do like a two or three stage system, or, or I don't I don't know nitrous well enough to speak like uh, uh, with certainty about like the different ways that it's set up, but I've, I've seen motors that were clearly all nitrous. Like, yeah. I, I came across some shop online where they were showing intakes that they had built that like genuinely had an, like four nozzles per cylinder. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, for whatever reason, Fox bodies with uh, LS swaps are just pure nitrous cars. I I see them all the time. I you know casually watch them, just like uh, you know local drag stuff on YouTube and things like that. And it seems like everybody's got a Fox body with an LS swap that has just got a massive nitrous shot on it. So I mean, it's very common Fox body. Like, I don't know if it's true, but a friend of mine was telling me that there are entire racing classes that don't allow Fox bodies or LSs because it's just such an like independently, those two things aren't allowed because they're such 
easy winners. Fox bodies don't weigh anything, and a factory LS can handle more fucking horsepower than you can throw through it. Like, um, yep. This dude, Richard Holdner, who has, like, videos up on YouTube and is, is good with, like, some of the Motor Trend guys, did, like, a junkyard shootout, and he they started throwing boost at this LS with a factory bottom end, and they were seeing what it would take to grenade the crank, and they gave up at, like, 1,200 horsepower because they were like, no, little engine, you've you've done your job for the day. Now, yeah. that engine wasn't going to live its life for hours at that sort of RPM range, but, like, those those engines can handle a lot from the factory. You only got to um, make it live for a quarter mile, you know? After that, you can just trailer it home and rebuild it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the idea of a warranty. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a huge draw. I mean, like, I'm I'm pretty sure you can even buy your uh, forced induction system and send the, send it to them, and they'll assemble it. Because I don't know, with a thing like that, I feel like you got to be careful not to immediately void their warranty by doing like everything that I do on a daily basis. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd read the fine print on that warranty between before I did much of anything. But like, you can't launch it, or that voids the warranty. Fuck is the point? No, I don't think that they're like that. Honestly, like, not that I'm giving a, a, a like the company credit for anything. I just have never heard about them being shitty about their warranty. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, dude, you you don't build an 800 horsepower motor and then say, "All right, here you go," but take it easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, so I, I, yeah, you're you're right. I should call them. But I think that the the sad truth is that I'm just going to have to sacrifice something somewhere. Yeah, I think to have everything is just it's just not possible in this scenario. I don't know. I would love to be proven wrong. If you could put a 632 with a blower and get like eight miles of the gallon out of it, I would be over the moon, man. That would be great news. <laughs> I did one time read about a guy who took a 6.0LS, twin-turboed it, and got 30 miles to a gallon. But, big caveat here, he was a GM engineer. <laughs> You're so, not a GM engineer? No, I'm a hillbilly. Oh, man. Uh, well, no, I'm, no, that's not... I'm more of a Hill William. <laughs> I've, I've nice. come up a little bit in life. Uh <laughs> No, I mean, like, he, he built it uh, uh, so that, like, there was a lot of wiring, a lot of computer stuff. It basically just operated like a normal engine until you hit, like, a certain RPM, and then the weights, waste gates closed off. And, it, like, so he didn't even ha have it so that it would start building boosts until, like, 3,500, 4,000 RPMs. Mm -hmm. So down low, it basically just operated like a normal engine with a really efficient tune to it. Um, and I'm sure 30 is either me slightly misremembering or him exaggerating, but even if it was 25, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. My four cylinder with a single turbo does not get 25 reliably. So you know that like the, like a four cylinder is, is like, that's a little bit of a, a misunderstanding. Like I think it was, four, I can't remember if it was Ford or Chevy that was, was doing their trucks a couple of years ago and it was the options were a V8 or a four cylinder and under went uh, in some tests, the four cylinder got worse fuel economy. But yeah, that was worked so much harder. Yeah, that was Ford with their EcoBoost thing. It, it was dumb. 
yeah, that's very apparent, especially in a heavy vehicle. But I have a small car. It shouldn't need that much torque to move around. But it's also, you know, it's a flat four. It's not an inline four. And that's just inherently worse because of physics and oh. gravity and thrust angle and you're, you're talking about a motor. Yeah, yeah. You said flat four and I'm like, dude, you've got a flat head in your fucking <laughs> Because in my like in my world, like imports just don't exist. <laughs> but if somebody's got a flat four, that means that they've got a four banger flathead Ford. <laughs> yeah, I'm just here to remind you that yes, imports do exist. We're here. We're here to stay now. We're not yeah, I was, leaving. <laughs> I was born in 83, yet somehow I have not progressed past like 75. <laughs> That's a, quite the time maneuver you've done. Yeah, I think I go back like a month every year I age. I'm going to die in the 40s. <laughs> oh, God. Well, at least you missed the Great Depression, so it won't be awful. No, I feel like at the rate that I'm watching the world crumble, I'm going to see another Great Depression. Yeah. I feel like it might have started last year. Probably. Nope, this is about cars. We're not getting, We're not <laughs> taking the black pill on this episode. <laughs> nope, I'm, this is the episode where I contribute to climate change. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, let's go back to talking about uh, horsepower numbers and uh, fun things. So we basically just bullshitted for an hour and got to the conclusion of call the company. Yeah. We're All really right. efficient, like a 632 with a blower. Very efficient. <laughs> well, I know that the one big problem I'm going to encounter is my 430 gears. That's just not a thing. Yeah, that's super tall. Like, yeah. I don't know. I need to sit down... like. We do plan on replacing the diff because I don't want to run a spool. Um, and honestly, it, it's it's not even just napkin math. Uh, you, you sit down and you figure out where you make peak horsepower and build everything so that like you're hitting that at like a thousand feet or 800 feet into the quarter because you know you there's there's very specific math about when you want to shift. And you know we're we're talking honestly probably a class of racing beyond what I'm even building. But if you really do want to get the most out of your motor, um, yeah, you you fuck with your torque converter, like how tight or loose your torque converter is, your gearing, um, and do the math to figure out like how you finish the race with nothing left for the motor to give. Uh, and honestly, for what I'm doing, 430 gears might be a little bit too short. Like, I'll launch hard as fuck, but I, I'll probably be redlining before I get to the quarter. Wow. I mean, like, that's such... Well, I mean, maybe not. I don't really know what those uh, engines are meant to redline at, but, like... Yeah, with with if if I hypothetically did build like a twelve hundred horsepower monster, it's gonna get up to the top of the power band so quickly, like because I mean I'm gonna be running a trans brake too, so that thing's just gonna launch like a son of a bitch, man. 
and then you're just there. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of fucking math involved, and I just never sit down and actually bother doing it. But I think... I, oh, here, here's a, here's another thing. We're, we're getting to the uh, tail end of this, because we both agreed to an, an hour, and we just passed that. Uh, gear Vendor's Overdrive. Never heard of that. No. Oh, what is this? So, this is not the economical choice. Um... But there's a company called Gear Vendors that makes an overdrive unit that attaches to the tail... It basically goes between the transmission and tail shaft. It would mean I would have to have the engine a little further forward than I had intended on it. And I, I don't know... I would... God, there more more math to figure out like how long those are and, and everything else. But uh, Gear Vendors overdrives are units that will give you... I think... It, I think their units are 0.7 overdrive and like their regular base model is good for over a thousand horsepower. It's, it's actually a popular choice for pro street guys because when you need to get, you know, your, your fuel economy up into the mid single digits, um, <laughs> that's well, I mean like you, you have to figure like it's as insane as it is. Let's say you're getting uh, five miles to the gallon, which, you know, is for some people good. In this context, a 0.7 overdrive means a 30% increase in fuel economy. So in that, what, what is that? A mi that would get you into the like six and a half mile per gallon range. Yeah, pretty close to seven, I'd say. But, the, but the, those units are like four grand. Shoo. That's, I mean, that's an investment, but when you're putting a $16,000 motor in there, it's like, uh, I mean, uh, here's the thing. Here's, here's the brakes. <laughs> you want this vehicle to do two things pretty well. So in order to do that, you're either going to have to sacrifice doing one of those things as well as you want it to, or spend more money. I think that's just what it comes down to. You're just going to have to buy a, you know, moderately large to very large engine, probably have it outfitted to handle power out adders, probably do, you know, either a three-speed transmission, which is not as great for the strip, but a little better to drive, or this. Uh, no, three-speeds have the same three. final drive, man. Oh shit! You're right. It yeah, I would, I, would have to go, I would have to go four speed. Um, it would make it a little better to street drive. I feel like though, honestly, like the same transmission that I want to put in my Cutlass is a popular drag racing transmission because uh, uh, California Performance Transmissions will build you a unit that's good for a thousand horsepower. It's a .68 overdrive. It's I think it's the tallest overdrive out there shy of like one of the Tremec double overdrives because Tremec makes some manual units with a 0.5 overdrive. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so and those are surprisingly affordable. A, 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 let's see, a, a 204R for a thousand horsepowers is I think like $3,500, $4,000. That and seems they, pretty good. I mean, then you're not paying for a Power Glide and this 
uh, overdrive unit. Shit. Now, actually, I already have a power card. Um, oh, well. I mean, I paid 100 bucks for it, so I'm not bummed out if I have to put it in something else. But shit, like, I don't know why I wasn't really seriously considering putting... I only recently learned that they make those high horsepower transmissions so affordably. Because, I mean, like, again, I, th I think it's 3700 for the the real, like, the big boy unit. And for a, a transmission that has overdrive and can handle 1,000 horsepower, that's actually really good. And yeah, I think, I mean, four speeds is going to drop your quarter mile time a little bit just because you have to shift more. But I, to me, that's worth the sacrifice. There's I another factor there, too, though. Overdrive transmissions, when, when they started building overdrive transmissions, they started making taller gears because mm -hmm. you, they, they have such a sh or, or shorter, I, I don't remember the way math works. Either way, uh, they have a really short first gear. Uh, so you can launch really hard with a taller rear. So yeah, I, I would have, it's honestly probably worth losing an extra 30 horsepower at, like through parasitic loss or maybe 50. I don't, I don't really know what, like what that would, would pan out to be. But yeah, if I put something with, with a tall overdrive and a short first gear, I could run much shorter rear gears and still launch equally hard. And then the added benefit of being able to drive it on the street and not be yeah. know, launching off every stop. Yeah. The other option would be like a 4L80 or, or 4L85 or something like built, but those mm -hmm. are electronically controlled. So like you have to like come up with solutions for all that. And there are plenty of solutions. It's just, I like to keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I, if, if I am comfortable with an engine making less than a thousand horsepower, so I don't really push the transmission for everything that it is worth. Yeah, I mean, I could do an eight or nine hundred horsepower build. Then you could go naturally aspirated six thirty two, because that would be in that range of horsepower. Yeah, it's it's eight fifteen horsepower, I think. So a little bit, go. a little bit wussy, but I mean, you know, <laughs> eight hundred fifteen horsepower is just a little soft. I mean, put yeah, put a hundred shot to it just for good measure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we actually just made progress. I could probably Look at us go. I could probably put in something like in the the three fifty range for rear gearing and still launch just stupid hard. I'm gonna have to like do more research on drag racing them because like part of the it's not really simple engine math like I was saying, but when you've got two speeds, it's real easy to figure out like where you launch at, where you shift at, and where you're at when you finish. Mm -hmm. when you're purely bench racing. Um, a lot of over... I recently learned this. At least some of the GM four speeds that had, like, overdrive would not ever go into overdrive at wide open throttle because the overdrive gear was weak. Which could theoretically be a good thing on the track if you built it well enough to handle it. The 200s actually were stout enough that they would 
stay in overdrive at wide open throttle, but that could also be because the 200 was built to not be a super strong transmission. It was put behind V6s and four cylinders. And a couple of people just figured out like, hey, there's only a couple of really easily fixed weak points in this, and then they can really handle a lot. Uh, they also have really even gear spacing, so they shift at the same point like every time. Huh. And 3700 bucks for a transmission like that actually is, is really affordable and solves a lot of problems. I feel right. like I contributed now. Well, I mean, dude, any any car guy knows that talking to somebody who even half knows what is going on and will just listen to you rant and figure out the problem for yourself, that is an asset. It's the rubber duck. Yeah. I don't know what that it's means. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I think, like, coders or programmers will talk their code out loud to a, uh, a rubber duck, and that's how they find problems in it. So huh, I'm okay. happy to be your rubber duck. See, again, I'm just being like, I'm not a boomer, dude, but like, I'm, I'm technically a millennial, but like the first thing I thought of was the movie Convoy because the main character's CB handle is the rubber duck. Well, I could be that too. I've never seen the movie. Is that bad? Uh, it's a great movie, but I'm not surprised when anyone hasn't seen it. It wasn't super pop. It was, it was kind of a, a playing on the whole outlaw trucker thing of the seventies. It was contemporary with like Smokey and the bandit. So like, yeah. yeah, from a leftist perspective, no reason you should watch it from a car guy perspective. <laughs> also no real reason you should watch it. It's just all, <laughs> but it's fun. It's, it's lighthearted. And it's, it's literally just a movie about a bunch of truckers, like getting mad at police and, forming a giant convoy and, like, going through barriers and shit, like... This sounds yeah, very leftist to me. Uh, I'm now very interested. <laughs> well, you know, there was a point before, like, the 2000s when, like, country folk might be shitty and reactionary, but they also hated the fucking police, like... Better times. My very conservative, very rural family has many stories about fighting cops. On one side. On the other side, they just all became cops. Yeah, yeah. That's about the way it goes in in the rural south or Appalachia. You either fight the cops or you become the cops. Uh, well, let's let's end with this. I I once heard a story about one of my uncles who was drinking at like the bar that you re like you didn't go to unless you were trying to get into a fight, and one a sheriff's deputy was drinking at the bar and got hammered and started like like being a dick and like pulled like. I don't know if he pulled his gun or if he was just being an asshole. My uncle beat the shit out of him, took his gun away from him, and told him that he could come, he could have his gun back when he sobered up and apologized. <laughs> and the deputy was so embarrassed, as the story goes, that he didn't want to like go to the sheriff and admit that he got beat up and had his gun taken from him. So he actually showed up at my uncle's house the next day and apologized. And asked for his gun back. That's so fucking rad. I and I don't think that was the uncle that was murdered by a deputy. Wow. Yeah, another one of my uncles was was sleeping with a deputy's wife and got pulled over and executed on the side of the road, like put on his knees and shot in the head. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So why anyone in my family would ever be pro cop is beyond me. But no, no, it's it's not beyond me. Like. My dad's side of the family was a lot older than my mom's side. Like, my dad was older than my mom. And why am I talking about this on air? This is probably no one's business. Either way, <laughs> different era. Like, 
they a lot of my dad's people were like from the backwater parts of Georgia, like growing up in like the late sixties and seventies when. Yeah, there was no law except for the guys who were just doing all the same crooked shit everyone else was, but, like, trying to get their cut of it. I don't know. Yeah, it was just the coward's way out. They were going to run moonshine and do everything else, but they just decided to put a badge on so that they had some immunity. Yeah, instead of running shine, they just collected a fee from everybody else that was running shine. Weak shit, man. It's weak shit. Yeah. So before I, I like, dude, my, my dad's side of the family has all sorts of wild ass stories. So before I get into doing all that shit, like, let's, uh, let's call this an episode. I feel like I actually maybe came to a solution, sort of. Hell yeah. I yeah. feel like we uh, got something done. I'm still going to call a blueprint. That's probably like a good way to go. But uh, whatever they tell me, an overdrive transmission is probably a good call, man. I'd have to agree. It just seems so easy to break. That's all. I've killed so many overdrive transmissions. Actually, no, I've killed a couple of two-speeds, too. Never a power glide. I had a, a, a super turbine 300 in my Cutlass when I bought it. It was a, it was a, 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 a Buick Olds transmission. Um, it didn't get popular because it was dog shit, unlike the power glide. I destroyed that transmission after owning the car for five days. Nice. It was not built... Right. Shut up. <laughs> it was literally on like my sixth burnout of that drive in particular. I mean, not many transmissions can handle that, so Power I don't think I'll Okay. That's one. <laughs> That's not many. I'm not gonna hold that against the super turbine three hundred. Yeah, which and what a terrible name. It's a two speed. Why would you call it a three hundred? Yeah, that makes no fucking sense. I don't know. There's not a lot of rhyme or reason to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, the names never make any sense. Anyway, yeah. we're really good at ending podcasts. Uh, yeah, well, let's, uh, let's start a sentence and then trail off and we'll cut it there. Um, oh, you know, well, for Connor's sake, I'll say uh, follow us on social media. Uh, Connor pretty much handles all of that. I think occasionally Bryant does. I've literally never touched it. Uh, but they do a good job. I uh, yeah. I actually really appreciate our feed, even though I don't contribute to it. So, yeah, f- follow us on all of the social medias, Cars and Comrades. And uh, if you didn't like this episode, sh- shut the fuck up. It was extra, and you didn't pay for it. Yep. I'm fucking bye. <laughs> I'm kind of mean to our fans. Fuck them. Half a million Americans at any given time are sleeping out under bridges and in gutters. Is that not violence to force a human being to sleep in the fucking street while while the rulers that dictate this entire system have four or five or six fucking houses? That's violence. If you ain't first, you're last. You know what I'm talking about? That phrase, trademark, not to use the other bridge, Ricky Bobby. There's a joke that circulated in Russia in 1992, in the, after the first year of the free market paradise, and it went like this. Question, what did capitalism accomplish in one year that communism could not do in 70 years? Answer, make communism look good. My calculations are correct. 
When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Much of what has been said about communism in this country is simply not true. She assaulted my body. Yeah. And that's nothing but pure and simple old-fashioned communism. The U.S. government is the largest terrorist organization on planet Earth, and they have no right to wag their finger at anybody over anything having to do with ethics, morality, or human rights. America is a human rights violation in and of itself.